Hey gang, welcome to episode 136 of the No Pristinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles, California. Today on the show, our friend Terrence LeClaire, immersive person extraordinaire, is going to be on the show, talking to today on the show, talking on the show. See, look, I'm repeating myself already. Everything is a recursive loop. And no, I'm not going to cut that. I'm just going to keep on charging forward. Uh, This is President's Day weekend 2018. We took a bye week last week. There's also a fair chance we'll take a bye week next week. Um, We're going a little light these days. I've been fighting the flu. I finally feel healthy, which naturally means I've got to go on a work trip on a holiday weekend. Um, You can hear the smile in my voice. Um, What's going on in the world? Um, Lots and lots and lots of things. Um, there's, there's the, the pot is simmering right now. I'm just going to put it that way. It feels like the pot is simmering at the moment. Um, there's, there's some announcements that are, are, are about to boil over. I expect the next week uh, or so to be relatively busy in different corners of the world. Um, we also, we've seen, uh, we'll, 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 we'll do more of that on the back end. There's, there's been, there's been a lot of soul searching going on, uh, in the community of late. And that's a good thing. Um, there's also a lot of forward progress being made. Um, that's the thing I love about this community we've managed to forge of immersive, uh, not just here in Los Angeles, but in San Francisco, in New York, um, uh, a growing awakening and awareness. Um, and as that awakening and awareness happens, uh, sometimes you got to confront the shadow stuff. More on that on the back end of the episode. Not too much more because I, I got to hit the road in a minute here. But first, let's do the thing that we always do, uh, which is honor the people who make this possible. And that is our Patreon backers. Um, just for, for starters, I just want to say uh, I, I'm humbled. Uh, I'm Seriously, I am. Like the fact that, that uh, we've got... Oh gosh, let's look at the numbers real fast. Like how, what do we have right now? We have, oh boy, <laughs> you should really get this ready to go. Um, 128 people, 128 people are backing this to the tune of $772 a month right now, which um, that's that's almost rent in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, uh, it's really impressive. This is the year that we, we, want, we want to get no pro fully sustainable. Uh, we're going to do a big push, uh, in the next month, uh, a major campaign We're we're, we're pulling that together. Um, it was going to start actually this weekend. Uh, but, uh, the flu, Oh man, the flu knocked me down something fierce. But in the past couple of weeks, we have had a number of people pop in and I want to thank them. And, and first, actually, I want to thank Matt Bamberg Johnson of the speakeasy society who threw down a challenge to folks. And the first two people on this list took him up on it. Jennifer Zhang and Christy Harms, uh, who are both wonderful people who I get to count as as friends, uh, there they've they've joined the campaign. Justin Denton, another wonderful cat who uh, also get to count as friend. I saw him last night. Uh, Kevin Ramirez and Kate Gorman, all of you, thank you so much for becoming the latest backers of No Pro on Patreon. That's Patreon.com/slash No Persinium. And remember that backstar play here, the podcast, the website the newsletters, um, 
all the behind the scenes stuff that I do. And, uh, and that also includes, uh, the, the light moderation of everything immersive, which is just a beast and is about to pass 3000 people. Um, and a note here about EI, um, everything immersive. Um, I, I mean, I started it. I'm not, I'm not denying that. Uh, I will never, I will never deny everything immersive. Everything immersive is not no proscenium. I did this very deliberately because there's a number of publications and I didn't want no proscenium to have a sort of most favored nation status at no pro. It's one of the, at EI. That's one of the reasons why we use the show thread format uh, so that there's one thread to talk about each show. All right. Everything immersive is an incredibly useful Facebook group. Uh, it's connected tons of people. Um, there's, there's really good threads that happen in there. There's also really great conversations that happen over at the No Proscenium Slack, which has over 500 people in it now. So all of these things you can find uh, by looking at the show notes um, at NoPro and on the Patreon. But I just want to make it clear, there are posting rules. This came up this week with somebody. Uh, there are posting rules at Everything Immersive. They are posted. Um, we do not, beyond those posting rules, we do not exercise editorial control. Um People have flagged, there's some folks who flagged some posts this week, um, I think because they thought they weren't sufficiently immersive. Um, they were. Uh, you just scratched the surface a little bit. You could see that there was like a reading coming from a company that does, uh, you know, immersive work. And another one was like an experiential, you know, pop-up thing that was that was odd, which we definitely like the odd stuff being posted by a member of the community. Um, just, just know you know, there, there's going to be material on EI sometimes that, uh, you do not necessarily agree with. Um, or you're gonna, you're gonna see folks that you think are like, Oh, that person again. Um, it happens to me, happens to me all the time. I'm like, Oh, this again, EI is the market square. So, um, if, if it's so long as it's immersive and so long as it's not leading someone into like some shady situation, um, anything goes, anything goes there. That's the official editorial stance about everything immersive. Um, no pro different beast. I control that. I can decide what goes on. Um, and, uh, as we get more and more work, uh, I get to be more and more finicky, um, which is awesome, but everything immersive is for everything immersive. Says it on the tin. There we go. Need to get that off my chest. Uh, need to make that as clear as possible. Oh, and that's the other thing. Um, you know, uh, Catherine, who is our superstar here, uh, handles all social media, handles New York. Uh, you know, really rocks it. Uh, the 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 full force flow of No Pro that you see these days. A lot of that is Catherine, um, particularly as I you know get wrapped up in you know some of the political stuff. Um, that being said, um, for Catherine's sanity, everything immersive is not her responsibility. So, um, you know, if you're if you're taking something out, if you if you've got an issue with something at no uh, everything immersive, that's me. That's Ricky Briganti of Inside the Magic. Um, that's David Spira of Real Escape Artist. We are the admins over there, and uh, Haley HR Cooper uh, still has some moderation um, privileges, although I haven't seen her around in a while. Um, those are the folks you go talk to. Catherine has enough on her plate. Okay. So 
No pro is not EI. EI is not no pro. There. I'm quite proud of everything immersive. It is part of my workload. However, there is a there is a dividing line there. How do you keep all these dividing lines? How do you do no proscenium? I don't know. I just do it. I don't know how. Somehow it's working. Let's not let's not examine it too hard. Break my brain. My brain is very very fragile these days. Hey, um, one last thing about housekeeping that I forgot to say. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Ross Sigworth, Bradley Smith, Ian Budman, Arthur Tubman, Ari Herstan, and Lonnie Hansen. Thank you, gentlemen, all, for um, keeping this thing afloat. There we go. All right. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That was everything that needed to be said at the beginning of the show. Um, what's up with the show itself this week? Terrence LeClaire. Oh, what to say about Terrence? All right. So here's the things you should know about Terrence. Uh, Terrence is an actor. He's a poet. He's a performer. Uh, he refers to himself these days as an immersive person. Um, and it's true. He is. He's, um, he's some, some, some background here. Terrence uh, was born in Paris, grew up in New York City. That's pertinent because we like talk about cities and whatnot. Um, he studied at SUNY Purchase Acting Conservatory. Again, in that a little bit. Um, and Oberlin College and is a graduate of the William Esper Studios and Second City uh, in LA. Um, or it says TCLA. So I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm reading a little bit here. Um, he's performed with a lot of different folks, all right? So um, he's done, he's worked with the Poetry Brothel, Tension Experience, Annie Lesser's ABC Project, Spybrunch's Safe House 77, Matt Dorado's Drunken Devil, Cloak and Dagger. Those are all like just in the past couple of years. So like Terrence is a fixture on the immersive scene here in LA. Um, odds are you've had an interaction with him if you've gone to any of that stuff. Um, my favorite one was um, actually a drunken devil, and, and the drunken devils those those are those are parties where Matt puts some like you know immersive actors um, in, just sort of you know doing some atmospherics, um, and and I did not recognize Terrence, <laughs> like like I was like is that Terrence, and like I spent like a good like ten minutes going I think it's Terrence, but is it Terrence? So there. There you go. That's that's like that's my highest. That's because we're not talking at a distance. I mean, like three feet away, right? So, like, if an actor who I know in real life can be three feet away from me, and I can be like, "Is that like?" I had to use contextual clues based on on his body language with other people that we know in common. That's how I figured out it was actually Terrence. So, what I'm trying to say is, Terrence is very good at what he does. All right. Very, very good at what he does. He also has started a company called Meta for You that offers immersive interactive services. So that's uh, actors and content for hire. Um, and it sort of led to them being kind of a, a, a de facto agency for like, you know, putting immersive actors out on call for different pop up projects. That's another reason why I want to talk to Terrence. So this is this is this is a hangout episode. Um, also, it was done under. Uh, flu addled brain conditions. Uh, the very next, very next day, two days later, two days later, I had 101 fever. So I thought I was just like back for a little bout. No, I was about to get really sick. So 
Um, apologies in advance for the, the loose nature of it. This was like a Noah at about 40% of his powers. As it is, I'm only at about 80% of my powers right now. Uh, but Terrence is absolutely a wonderful person and I know we'll have him back when I have a fully functioning brain. Um, but this is a pretty, this is pretty fun. This is just a, a little trip. We, we philosophize. It's a good time. Here you go. Yeah. Terrence, thank you for having me in your absolutely lovely home. Thank here in downtown you, Los Noah. I'm so glad you came down here. Yeah, this is exciting. Um, downtown LA. We've known each other now, what, like, couple, it feels like a couple of years? I don't know, everything was really fast in this series. A year, a year I plus? I was wondering that, and I yeah. was thinking if the first time we met was in-game, so to speak. I think it was, but I think, I think for a lot of people in LA, the first time they met you in-game would have been tension. Yeah. But I think from... For me, it was Cavell. Really? Yeah, because oh, I don't fun. think I don't think you were in. I think you were in a. I think you had a job at Tension the night I was there. Yeah, but it was the group after mine. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So There's I, a whole thing happening there. Yeah, so I missed. I don't I, know how much I can disclose. I don't think you can disclose yeah. much. I no, think no. That's, that's even even now, all this time later. I love it. Definitely now. Uh, I love we're drinking Yogi Tea right now. Mm-hmm. Sponsor. No. Yay. Um. So. You are, a lot of people know you as an actor. You mm-hmm. also have a company called Meta for You, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, how did you get involved with all this immersive shenanigan stuff? Because, yeah. Yeah. It's a long story. That's what we're here for. Perfect. How much time do we got on this podcast? As much as we want. Um, Literally, actually, as much, much time as we want. This is wonderful. Yeah. Um, now I get to sit back and just let you know. Yeah, great. My life story. Um, yeah, I... Uh, I mean, I started acting or getting the bug as many kids do. I was the third kid. I am the third kid in my family. I was enjoying the um, (laughs) catharsis that one has when they're young and performing uh, at that age. And um, also the attention was excellent, too. And the fact that I could get attention for feeling free to emote and to just uh, be in whatever reality I wanted to be was great. So I um, started getting into acting then. Um, the immersive stuff is really interesting because it's um, it took me a while to get here. I could go through just my whole schooling and everything and just... <coughs> I love it. Poor Noah. Noah's sick, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to have to take over here. You will. Noah, no, well, I mean, how's it going, Noah? No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Okay, no, it's me. No, no, let's talk. Let's, no, let's, let's, I mean. Let's start from you, the very beginning. Let's start from the very beginning. For yeah. this reason, right, to, to contextualize it, yeah. right, is that you are, you are an accomplished immersive actor here in Los Angeles. And by that, I mean you've worked with a lot of different creators. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently had the pleasure of seeing you give notes to the Speakeasy Society when they were working on The Wild Party. Mm-hmm. And I was struck by how succinct and clear and insightful your notes were. Like, it was, it was, just, it was just, just pointed arrows that just zip, 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 and really tied up a lot of, I think, what needed to be addressed in... The, the, the issues they had at that rehearsal mm-hmm. and having gone back to see the show I think that like I could tell that they took those notes to heart oh, and wow. that's awesome you know and even talking with like 
and it's sort of spoiler territory for you, but like talking with, with Matt afterwards, I was like, oh, wow, like Terrence's note were really great. And Matt was like, yeah, Terrence's notes were really great. Like, you know, like we're, so we got to nice. think about working with him. And mm. so you're. Well, it's funny. Matt yeah. and I actually did something um, in 2013. Mm. This is kind of jumping around, but yeah, 2013 was when I was beginning to really um, see how this immersive stuff kind of like happens. Um, you know, learning about player experience, learning about how it is more than just, you know, it's a form of expression for the actor. I mean, uh, I'm jumping around so much. So much I want to tell you, Noah. So, so, so in 2013, yeah, so 2013, uh, Matt Genevieve and I were in this um, activation for 72 and Sunny that was directed by the amazing Kyle Jarrow, um, who I knew because I did this musical that he wrote. I did a thing at Pasadena Playhouse. It was like this reading of a musical, an 80s musical, which was really fun. Lots of, you know, 80s hits in it. Well, 80s sounding aha kind of songs. But so um, this was a thing that took place at Howard Hughes's hangar, which became 72 and Sunny's um, headquarters. And they wanted this party, you know, this open house when they opened. Um, so it was an open bar and they had um, these different things that would happen. So the party would just go in and there was immersive stuff happening around. I was doing different roles like being a light janitor where I had this spotlight on me that I was brushing with, you know, a mop or a brush, a broom of sorts. And... Um, different things like that so and there was brushing, this you were brushing light around so yeah you were brushing the spotlight instrument you were there was there was a pool of light on the floor and you were brushing right. it yes okay, yeah. yeah so uh, things like that it was right it was head. very it was very clever actually yeah. you know what like i should really um figure that's, out more like because it was that's a good guy it was so, so long ago well yeah. the big game in it was matt and genevieve played these um these pilots or these uh they were engineers they could probably tell you better I think my memory's fading, but uh, <laughs> five years ago, um, they were uh, pilots, sort of ghosts of the uh, Howard Hughes hangar that were working on this new aircraft um, for him, and they were falling in love, and I played the jilted husband, and so there, there was, um, this piece was on a, a sort of these cycles where as people were getting drunk off the open bar, the guests, um, every once in a while, there would be a light change and there'd be these scenes that would kind of play out in this sort of dance. Um, and that was the first time that I was like, oh, okay, this is how this works. Because um, I hadn't seen Sleep No More. I hadn't seen any of those shows. But I'd seen a lot of experimental theater and had done a bunch myself. So this, um, that was the first. And then... Concurrently with that, I started working um, with this murder mystery company called the Murder Mystery Company. I needed the money. <laughs> and, a, little, a little on the nose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You wonder about well, their, plot, you, their plot structure. Yeah, you <laughs> can't you can't miss them. Yeah. Um, what was great about them is they were there was it was a great group and they had a great game of just you know giving audience members characters as well as having actors playing characters and to help forward the story and some scenes but the way we did in LA was a lot of improv people it was a lot of um you know IO and Second City people um and so we would just mostly improv the whole thing and that's 
where I learned the skills of just, you know, cold engaging with guests, audience members, participants, really, and meeting them where they are, which is essential if you want to create an experience for people who don't know the protocol for immersive theater. So we're kind of figuring it out together at the same time. Delve into that a little bit, mm-hmm. this, this idea of, of, of bringing people in, particularly if they're uninitiated, right? Because totally. that's, yeah. that's important. Well, yeah, this, this is great. Um, so, I mean, I believe people want instruction when it comes to that. Um, and it's, we get instructions from different methods. Um, from example, from being told what to do. Um, when the space for immersive interactive theater because i think they're really different things and uh that's really i think something that should be addressed is that there is immersive theater and there's immersive interactive and i think there is a big difference because the stuff i prefer to do is immersive interactive um it's really meeting the person on their level because you're including them as your scene partner wholly and fully um so in order to get them on the stage, you need to meet them where their stage of reality is for whatever whatever place that may be as they enter the space. Um, I can backtrack a little bit. So um, with school and all that. So um, I did. I, I was studying acting as a kid um, in high school and everything, and I got into SUNY Purchase. Um, the acting conservatory there, and it was uh, boot camp. It was very, very <laughs> tough. Um, many, many hours of work, um, which I was not into. Um, so I promptly got kicked out of that for not really being, a, not wanting to really do the work or being able to at that time. Really, it just kind of my mind was more on partying. But what happened is I took copious notes of all the acting stuff I was learning. Um, And while I was there, one of the things that really resonated with me was Meisner. Um, And I loved the fact that you didn't have to do anything except be real. And by being real, it was doing real things. There's that great exercise that's, that's in his book, which is the very first thing he says is count the light bulbs in this room and really count them. And afterwards, you know, people would come up with a number. If you do it now, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I guess those two. And so nine, I think that's it in this room. And, you know, Meisner would ask, okay, was it you counting the light bulbs as a character or was it you counting them as you? Were you actually doing it? Mm. Um, The great thing about that is that I think Meisner would have loved this work. And I wonder how much in the 60s the happenings sort of came out of what he talked about. But it's when you're in that place of just being so intimately doing a one-on-one with someone um, in terms of immersive interactive theater, there's really little room for bullshit, you know? Like... Um, can you curse on this? Podcast? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool, sweet, fuck, awesome. Um, yeah, so uh, you have to you have to be honest with whatever honesty you have, because we're both creating a reality from scratch at this point with givens, with various information, 
and um, we're both figuring out where to go. That's kind of a tough challenge for actors is, you know, how to play that magic trick of having the person think that you don't know where we're going, which like right now in life, we're having this conversation and I don't know where it's going. Yeah, th- yeah, there's I have a lot to say, but I'm trying to see. It's kind of like a big yeah. water balloon and I'm poking holes in it and just watching the trickles. Well, that's one of the things that's always been interesting about acting is it's this very strange memory game Hmm. in that in order to do it, you have to memorize usually some some various levels of text, Mm -hmm. motions, blocking, etc., etc. And then in order for it to come across as authentic and Mm -hmm. real, you have to take this this thing that you've built into your long-term memory of the text Mm -hmm. and then try and forget it in the moment. Yeah. So that you're not playing the end of the scene. So that you're, you're only, you're only, you're a needle on the record of the scene and you're not playing the next track and you're not even playing the part that's like a, a, like a quarter turn down the record. You're playing just the part that's in front of you right then and there. And you're playing it as purely and as sweetly as you can in that one little moment. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the the you're you're doing all the song at once, sure, and it, it doesn't make any sense, and it falls apart, and it just it just doesn't feel right. I love that analogy because I mean it's true. You create a groove in your memory, and then you're the needle. The needle could pop. It could do anything if you're truthful to the moment. You know, somebody knocks over the record player. The record scratches. Yeah. What then? Yeah. That's the song. Yeah. <laughs> People make a whole art form out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's trying to find a way to stay in the moment when you know it's coming. Um, you you do this kind of work in a number of different contexts. Mm-hmm. You do it in, in theatrical contexts. You do it you do it in in, in party contexts mm-hmm. uh, with Meta for You mm-hmm. and with, with the work you have at Cloak. It's sort of similar to that. Um, how do you take folks who who are you normies who aren't necessarily coming for prepared for an immersive interactive experience how do you bring them into the magic circle well that's exactly it um so what's amazing about immersive interactive is that audiences get to experience the thing that hooks a lot of actors into becoming actors which is creating that safe space where, you know, you feel on stage, you can do anything. You know, oh, I feel like myself, rather. You know, like, I feel like, oh, I'm only myself when I'm on stage. And maybe that's because there's permission given there. Maybe it's because there's, there's that safety, you know, of no consequences. So you can be whatever and explore all those very human things um, in whatever context people have so which is you know people throughout life are told not to do things for various reasons and many people agree with some and some don't care about others and so what's so that's the special place and if you can bring that to who you're dealing with I think that's when magic happens because if you give them permission to just be present with you and just 
that's it. And then there is no wrong answer. You just open it up for them. I think that's personally what I like striving for is that space, you know, with eye contact, which for years I was terrified of. And now I'm just <laughs> learning that it was just really material building and building and building. Because yeah. that's the thing is like when you're an actor, your job is to show up and be vulnerable. You're just supposed to just be there as an artist, I think. Yeah. And I, I yeah. always found eye contact really difficult. I remember in high school, one of my one of my friends, scene partners, I mean, she like lost it on stage in rehearsal at me because she just wanted me to like, you know, like just just look me in the eye. Oh, right? yeah. You know? And like, man, I, I realized <laughs> over in time it was about the fact that not that I was antisocial, but that I was just, I, you know, you read a lot. Oh, like, if you're sensitive enough, you get so much out of eye contact. Mm-hmm. And it just, it literally becomes too much. You just go like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm absorbing everything there is. No, I can't, can't look at anybody that right now. But you also know that you're transmitting. Yeah. Right? So yeah. It's, this, it's this two-way radio that's constantly going. Yeah. And so, yeah, you just wind up kind of like turtling up. But if you can like find a way to like be in that moment and make the contact with yeah. someone else. But I want to ask you about this this idea of of giving people permission and giving people freedom in the context of some stuff that's that's starting to come up mm. in 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 the work right now, yeah. which is just the the idea of like as as actors, there's there's a establishment of, a, of the safe space, Absolutely. right? You know, one of the interesting things, like the exercise in Meisner, mm-hmm. you know, you go into there and you just you just observe and you just you just say what you see, and everyone. The agreed upon rules is whatever gets said there, it's only there in that moment. You leave it there on the stage. You walk away, and if you were to come back with the same scene partner ten minutes later, you would not go back. Mm-hmm. Right? You've created this spot where here's a temporary autonomous zone. But we have pe- people do bring in their outside baggage. People bring in mm-hmm. their their predilections. How do we balance, or have you found it, it's ever been an issue in your work, balancing, you know, safety, safety, balancing people who might be inebriated, going a little sure. too far, yeah. with trying to give them permission, right? Because some people like, you know, particularly if they're inebriated in a party situation, maybe they are, you you know, like, we create that that magic circle create the space for them to kind of explore themselves mm-hmm. and next thing you know oh they're humping my leg so like, yeah what's... well I mean that's yeah that's definitely a lot. Uh, leg humping um, that's a tough image to get out yeah but well, yeah I, th- I know the, what you mean it's, it's the simpler one so, yeah, yeah that, w- that would be like I wonder what they were drinking possibly absent I don't know yeah. so yeah, I I think well that's the case. That's you know it's 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 you like as an actor you have permission to stick up for yourself, and um, for immersive shows, I really think audiences are absolutely receptive to instruction, and I think instruction from the beginning should be clear and should be firm. Um, we're still, I mean, rediscovering this art that's been around. And we're just trying to figure out what's the best way to do it. Do you not tell anyone anything? And then it turns into an episode of Punked, where your car is being towed and you think it's real. Um, or do you give too much instruction and the persons just feel like they have no agency 
and they're just kind of standing there waiting for the show to take you somewhere or and um it's tough i mean i think there's an element of people in life enjoy being taken care of mm-hmm. and I think the the safety of films and TV and video games is that you have complete agency and you're completely safe as an audience member. You know, I wonder if a lot of the people who get inebriated start flipping out, the leg humpers, <laughs> um, if that's more a reflection of them not knowing what to do with this newfound freedom that they were just given, this newfound space. Um, and they're really uncomfortable. They're not actors for the most part. They're people who are holding, you know, laser beams in their hands and they don't know how to handle it. And yeah. so they drink too much or they feel like they need to be louder or just push people around. And so that may be a result of that. Um, I wonder if audiences that are prone to being like that would be less like that would they feel if they felt more taken care of in the sense of this is your job here this is your duty here right when you're training as an actor you have a you learn a respect for the craft for the stage for everything audience members for the most part have zero of that there's they, a role beyond yeah. the role right there's the yeah. role that an actor has of the character but then there's the role the actor has as an actor right. that is to respect the text respect the space respect the other performers. And know. it's funny because like the respect isn't because of this kind of, you know, uh, like putting up on a pedestal kind of thing. It's more just about if you if you know what the rules are to a game, you can have more fun playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of, you know, bad students, bad, don't do this. It's more just this is how you play poker. Isn't it fun? You got a full house. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's just kind of like that's, that's, you get all the joys if you play along. And that's, you know, everyone wants to communicate. Everyone wants to <laughs> be a part of something. And I think that's where rules and instructions like that are of importance is, you know, hey, this is where we're meeting. That's an instruction. Yeah. If you play by your own rules there and you don't meet there, you're not going to find everyone. Which doesn't, Interesting you should say that this is where we're meeting and, and that instruction. It That doesn't preclude serendipity. Case mm. in point, you told me, let's meet at eight at this particular spot. Yeah. And that particular spot's around the corner from a place that I like to go eat. So I went there and then we ran into each other a good like 15 minutes early. That was amazing. That yeah. was, that's serendipity. Yeah. But serendipity because we were within, you know, earshot of the rules, right? If sure. I'd, if I decided, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's not playing against the rules for if I come like somewhere else to eat. Uh, but it's not... I think that's the thing that people look at things like rules or instructions or particularly explicit rules mm. or instructions and think that they preclude spontaneity. They can, they preclude wonder. Mm. But actually, I think that they're just bounding conditions, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's like a script when you're acting, right? Like... If we just busted out Hamlet right now, 
you know, would we discover new words? No. Mm. But we might discover our Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, let's say you had the, the Dane and I had, you know, Horatio. We'd, we'd find out who our Hamlet and Horatio were mm. using this text. We're finding right? it now, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, wow, man. So much I want to say on this subject because it's so funny because, again, like Meisner is really so great for this work and it's really amazes me. I mean, so, you know, like I studied, I went to Bill Asper Studios in the 90s. <laughs> and, oh, don't worry, I'm yeah. in the 90s too. So. Oh, sweet, <laughs> we're 90s. Um, but, and back then, I mean, like, you know, Second City had been around for a long time, but I feel like improv culture just, I mean, became huge the past, like, 20 years. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's great because Meisner was improv. Absolutely. He, he worked, his whole exercises are all improv. Um, it went to a darker place than I think, you know, <laughs> UCB or other places would want to go unless they were making a gag out of it, a game. Um, I love dark improv though. Like I love. Well, it's, it's just yeah. funny because it's like, that's, you know, the surprise of improv is, carries humor with it um but the discovery of it also i mean there's improv really is just you know living moment to moment and i think that's kind of when i discovered um that acting was really the medium of being in the moment that's when it superseded any other thing i was doing like i was playing music for a while and um just was interested in maybe learning other skills and I just realized, well, I really want to get this. I really want to learn to be alive while I'm here and be in the moment and be clear. Um, La Clarity. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, it was just on a stream I was going there. I just rode the raft. Um, There's, uh, it's, 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 it's really it. Uh, And so, like, I feel like you asked me from the beginning, like, how did I get here? And we're just jumping back like a Tarantino movie. Um, yeah, so after after SUNY Purchase, um, I left um, and I went to Oberlin because I wanted to party. <laughs> and, and I did. Um, but while I was there, I had that huge binder of notes and I started... St- you know, studying it intensely, like kind of like the guy in prison who's got all the revenge tattoos on him and he's doing those push-ups and he's like, I was just like, I've got all these notes. I'm going to study all this. I'm going to work on all this acting. And I, that's when I really dug deep into Meisner and my friends started nicknaming me Meisner. Um, I even like co-taught a class on Meisner, even though I was like a freshman or a sophomore equivalent at Oberlin. I don't know how that happened. But I always had, speaking about the mat notes and all that, I always really felt like I, I could, I got it and I got how it's applicable to certain situations. Um, so then after a year of Oberlin over the summer, um, when I left SUNY Purchase, um, this is fun, the dean there at the time said, um, well, we don't like to feel like we've made mistakes. <laughs> 
so while we're kicking you out, is there anything we can do for you? And I was done with acting at that point. And I said, well, if I ever want to study acting again, where would you recommend I go? And he recommended Michael Howard Studios and William Esper Studios. So I met with Bill Esper, and I was like 17 at the time. And he said, you're young, but all right. And he took me on. I went to Suzanne's class. And she was amazing. Okay, She's so we, like so stellar roll, Adler. Roll, roll back for a second. So yeah. you're you're seventeen when you're when you're bumped out of SUNY Purchase. Seventeen, so like, eighteen maybe, yeah. Right. So like when did you start college at sixteen or something like that? Or just or No, I think seventeen. So I think I was I'm off a year. Seventeen. When's your birthday? Like October third. So I oh, was that's just right, turning yeah. Same thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, same, yeah. same thing. Yeah. We, so I might have been you like hit college at seventeen. Yeah, seventeen and then yeah. like Kicked out by 18, yeah. Oberlin by 19. So I was 19. So I was still in my teens. Um, okay. And uh, yeah. And part of me that's like, it's totally ridiculous that we ask 17, 18 year olds to like, now begin your professional training. Well, it's like, so it's funny the because it was so did. many. Like, I feel so bad. Like a lot of <laughs> my classmates didn't keep up with it. Some did and they're doing really well. Yeah. Um, but others, you know, like aren't acting and yet they have this wealth of amazing knowledge because SUNY Purchase was like it was the best at the time and they they were the best because they had really tough teachers where so we learned the militancy of work and training uh Eulalie Noble was my acting teacher at the time she was an actor studio member and student of Sandy when he could speak and tear people apart with his voice and everything else um, and it's so funny how life and death it was back then. I remember you were saying like that whole, like you were in a scene and the person was like, look at me and yeah. that, oh man, I remember this one time you lately like destroyed me on stage and it was just like that kind of stuff, you know, I, I, it sticks with you and it just makes you work so hard afterwards. Um, and it's, it's in looking back now, it's, it's really, for, it was really formative. So after Bill Esper Studios, um, I ended up in LA and that's where I learned meditation. And so meditation was something that changed everything. I, I learned it around 9-11 or after um, when I thought we were all going to die. So I'm like, oh, great. I need an escape pod. So this guy who had studied with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi um, taught me what he knew and I'm not saying for legal reasons whether it was TM or not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I did that pretty consistently twice a day, every day for almost 10 years or beyond 10 years. Um, that combined with the other knowledge eventually led me to understand with this line of work mm. how much, you know, one-on-ones are meditation they are very healing in a way mm. they're um that's funny actually this so <laughs> i'm jumping around uh, no pro style um so my mom's a healer um and she had a mentor named penny uh who would do this energy work and i think going to see her and this was in the 90s when i was a teen um that was Possibly my first experience having, it was sort of a weird, like what could be called like an immersive, like one-on-one -on -one situation, this yeah. healing session. And afterwards, I remember walking away from it with the first tangible awareness of how much 
existence is like a dream where just how absolutely strange and wondrous and arbitrary and magical existence is yeah. and just you know there, there's so there's so much to our lives that are routine mm-hmm. and programmatic yeah and and one of the things that's fascinating about the one-on-one as a form one of the things that's fascinating about about that strain of immersive is it replicates those weird encounters you have mm-hmm. in reality with just strangers for mm-hmm. a moment. Absolutely. Right? Or those moments you have where you are just wandering the city or wandering the woods with an old friend. Yeah. And things feel very serendipitous. Um, like this, the first time you share an inside joke with a friend. Yeah. You know, something happens and you catch their eyes looking at you and you're both like, yep. That's that power. That's that connection. It's very you know, primal and visceral and it's kind of like, we're okay. We're human and we're okay and we're here, you know? It's really special. Let's pivot for a second. Okay. (coughs) I want to ask you about Meta for You. What Mm. is Meta for You? Meta for You. (laughs) Oh, man. It's exactly what it says in the title. And it is immersive... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's cool. Uh, immersive interactive services. And by that, we mean we offer performers and or content um, for any kind of event as sort of an added value component. So rather than necessarily it being a <laughs> ticket buying thing, it would be more just how can we infiltrate an existing event and boost it with these experiences these you know potentially life-changing experiences I'll g- give an example to be humble yeah. <laughs> if you have to shave off the serial numbers go yes for it. but, but g- g- could you give a concrete <laughs> example like what what's what's kind of a, a kind of an event what kind of thing have you done for an event in the past so well what happens um this one client that we work with downtown um, has a space and we populated it with a couple of actors and they were just there. They, weren't, they were unobtrusive and they're just present. And depending on what the theme is, for this it had like a 20s theme to it. So the characters are noticeably dressed differently. And people will come up and talk with the person and see what's going on and it's having an interaction and a moment with this person um i did that gig too i had my typewriter there and there's this thing it's actually uh, i have to give props to bobby gordon of melrose poetry bureau who really kind of coined the phrase of service poetry where the person comes up and you find out what they need a poem about and just that service is great. That act is great. And that's what is probably the best outcome for a one-on-one is you find out what the person wants. Find out what's going on with them and see if you can somehow help them with that in that moment. And the way it manifests itself is in 
if people as an icebreaker it it can manifest itself as that it can manifest itself as um simply having this moment this experience where they learn something about themselves um and depending what the theme of the event is there can be more story added to it or um or not it can be very much just a moment to moment reality of connection with the person present and whoever interacts with them so if i were to hire you for say like a um anniversary party or something like that like some someone yeah. was like their golden anniversary with a company or something yeah. like that well like you know we might say like okay I want I want characters from this person's uh, the type of people they would have known over the course of the history of working for our company that's wonderful yeah yeah. and then you'd you'd yeah we would gin, gin that up yeah exactly we'd discuss that more and we'd just figure out how to work and we'd figure out who would come um, how much experience they have with something like this if they have zero that's fine um, find out basically what the, what the event is. Why are people showing up in the first place? And how do we boost that? Uh, in the sense of, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I won't mention it on here, but, um, there's, yeah. So for instance, there's certain events you go to for the music, for the dancing, for the partying. Right. Um, and then how do you, add value to that to make it kind of you know an extra special occurrence um it sounds very vague when i say it like this i guess the more concrete example is what you just gave which is if you have a party with an idea we can work with that or we have you know people approach us and they say we need performers that can handle this that can do this um this is this is what we need. And, and then um, staff them out from there. Yeah. yeah. So the company is uh, me, Dasha Kittredge, uh, and Naya Mack, who are just both so amazing. Uh, Dasha, with her extensive uh, knowledge of, you know, just companies, actors, and also just she's got her own brand of what I call one-on-one choreography of just she knows how to create make create those experiences and moments mm-hmm. and craft them in a way that is um more than just it 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 makes it more than seem just banal yes you know and naya is an amazing event coordinator producer she can do it all um and i ex- you know working with more and more and more people yeah. Uh, because it's exciting, and what's really exciting about this is how many people are excited for it as well, um, in terms of creating these events and seeing new clever ways to uh, install them and have these moments for everyone and anyone, immersive for the masses, everything immersive. <laughs> what's your What's your your goal with Meta for you? Well, Meta for you. Um, ideally love to connect with all the different markets um, and by that I mean cities um, different um, I mean markets makes it sound really like not necessarily what I mean I guess the different worlds the different communities mm. and because um, the idea would be to 
see if we could install immersive interactive experiences like this in various events and locations um, wherever there may be an audience for it and maybe in places where um, there isn't one yet. And the fun challenge in that is it really has a broad definition. I mean, really, in essence, we're, we're basically figuring out ways to get people to talk to each other and to connect and to just take a break and just have this moment where they're just like, Oh, you're here. You're present. You know, this isn't some kind of trick. This is just hi. Yeah. <laughs> We're here. Yeah. It's it's funny you should say that because like one of the things I'm feeling these days is how much of my life now is sort of dictated by what we might call, you know, networking mm-hmm. or like almost every single thing in my world that has a social component to it winds up having like a work component to it as mm-hmm. well all the time and some of that's just the life I've carved for myself in the immersive world and it, it was and it was it was sort of funny because like uh, I was I was up at a I was up at a gathering where I saw a lot of um, my college friends and one of them was talking about how like uh, you know oh they don't they don't they don't meet people anymore. They don't. They don't have. They haven't made any new friends in a while. And I, I wasn't gonna like you know brag in front of them right there. But oh yeah, I know like tons of people now. Like, mm. but I did say like oh well, you know one of the reasons why I started doing you know this stuff was because I wanted to you know meet new people. But like now, I don't. I almost don't spend any time with people to just spend time with people. Oh, wow. And. I miss that. <laughs> it's like you built yeah. the baseball field and now you also have to run it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, if you build it, they will come, but you can never leave. <laughs> like, wait a second. This is this is the Hotel California. Oh, you thought you were building yeah. the Village Dreams. You built the Hotel California. Yeah. No. I'm on the pitcher's mound forever. I love it. Um, but it's, uh, I mean, look, it's, it's, oh, what a horrible problem to have. But um, right. there's, there's something to... That purity, uh, particularly because, like, exactly what you're talking about with immersive, right? Is mm. is, you know, it, there's just this moment. Here's mm-hmm. a moment. It's just a moment. Yeah. It's, just, it's 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 fake, but it's real. It's funny. It's know? as short or long as you want it. You know, right. like yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's this it's this this memory suspended in amber, suspended in time, uh-huh. um, and and there's there's nothing else to it. And like, there's there's some sometimes there's something pure about an immersive moment because. It can't have real world mm-hmm. consequences. Like it doesn't. It isn't supposed to carry on outside of the magic. Circle, so funny. Meditation right? teacher would say invincibility only here. Meaning, ah uh, yes. It's it's in the that unified field theory of just you know when you meditate you 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 would well in this meditation you'd repeat a mantra because the mind will always think thoughts which is kind of interestingly analogous to audiences will always you know want kind of something to do i don't know it's there's there's maybe something there um you know what i mean like yeah you dig it okay um so 
it's it's that that place of like invi- invincibility is only in the now in the moment and that's ironically as well or coincidentally the only time you're alive is now and that's there's there's both invincibility and <laughs> life yeah, there's invincibility. we're all invincible until we're not exactly right? you know, which is such a weird thing yeah. i mean like we create this concept of time i love this like i heard a talk on like you know language and how certain languages like you know depending on how the language describes the sequence of events of time and future is how you end up living your life in the present um there's a ted talk about that ted talks i'm a collection of ted talks and and acknowledgements and awareness of my shortcomings (laughs) that's all i bring to every interaction that's all I can bring. That's the only thing I have to give. The only thing I have to give is everything that's brought me here. And that's why I got to thank everyone who's brought me here. There's so many names I'd like to give shout outs to, but there's so many people. Well, yeah, that would take a while. Yeah. Probably take too long. But you know who you are. Thank you. What's exciting you about immersive and immersive interactive work these days? You know what I want more, more, more is music. And like, I just, you know, just, it's, it's really just kind of how TV and, you know, films got really ridiculous with the pumped in music and all that to affect emotion. Mm. I think immersive interactive hasn't quite gotten to the point where it can, you know, overuse that, where I just like, I just love subtle uses of different senses you know eyesight is really kind of a, just such a powerful one but really using different senses in immersive interactions to tell stories is great and thinking that way i mean you know like films would get kind of crazy with the whole like you know what is it like smell of vision and just like oh, things like you know what i mean like yeah. um so it's it's short of you know i mean hopefully the stories won't be so painful that it's you know that you don't want to i don't know where i'm going with this but i i think it's so exciting because really it's all branching from just the connection of just you know one or two people connecting hmm. you know it's funny because like with that murder mystery stuff that's like Renee and Jillian, dainty dames working with them. It was a great gym. I called it a gym. It was a school at first and then it became a gym, which really is how I think school should be. Is When school ends, it turns into a gym. Um, and so what we would learn, we'd sometimes get crowds of 125 people and there'd be like four or five of us actors, basically like sheepdogs herding cats with snow cannons, you know, just like <laughs> You know, just like big time like that. <laughs> and um, but then it would break down to these like tiny one on one moments. And what would happen is oftentimes, you know, nobody was kind of like, oh, is there a, a character that you're supposed to be or something? You know, it, would, it was very loose like that. Mm. Um, and Second City did teach, you know, wear your character loosely like a hat, which I think there's value to that in meta circumstances. Um and also it's funny sometimes. Um, but the connections with the people would be, oh, look how much fun I'm having now. We're having fun. We're having... And then, you know, we'd be exchanging information, which is just kind of like, well, you know, I think this letter over here is something important. But it didn't matter. We were 
two people just having a good time. I was facilitating their good time, right. you know, and they were having a good time. And they're just like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm having drinks with my friends. And yes, I'm doing this and this is all fun. And the idea that I'm going with this is that even in those circumstances, all of this work branches off of that connection with the person. So as as quiet and beautiful and intimate as you want to make it or as abrupt and crazy as you want to make it, it all stems from just like no fourth wall, no proscenium. You're, we're all in the trenches. We're all in this together. And I think that's sort of the, you know, the meta lesson of this, of going to see this work and being in this work. And for all the immersive interactive actors, I mean, you're shooting lasers. The stuff you do is amazing. Like, you know, I forget that it's so powerful. I mean, like, I'll, you know, I remember I was working on something and then, you know, it was, you know, like, I don't know. I I had somebody do a one-on-one on me and I'm just like, oh, this stuff is so powerful. Even when it's done at its most basic simplicity, it's so profoundly powerful to have somebody there connecting with you and taking care of you if only for that moment. So what I'm excited about new stuff for immersive interactive is to have this knowledge just become like, Oh yeah, this is, this is where you can have this, um, this safe space. And hopefully audiences will learn. I think audiences are very smart. You know, we we learned how to laugh at things at the office and all that. Like, it's just audiences learn protocols of mediums and information and stories and storytelling techniques. So I'm excited to see audiences get this stuff. I'm going to see my mom for her birthday. She's going to be 70 a couple weeks we're taking her to sleep no more, you know? And she's excited to see it. And my older sister wanted to, she was questioning me about it and saying, I don't know, it seems scary and there's all this sex stuff. And I'm like, well, maybe, you know, who knows? Like, we, you know, like maybe her mom likes that, you know, we can't yuck anyone's yum, which is a weird conversation to have. But then from that, it also went to, well, what is this? It's like, oh, well, it's a Shakespeare play. Do you find that scary? It's like, well, no, I guess not. <coughs> and it's, well, is it like scary witches? It's like, no, people are dressed noir style. It's like, and she's like, oh, well, yeah, I kind of like that too. And it's like, yeah, and there's music playing and it's old jazz music. Oh, well, I like that too. And by the end of the conversation where I was talking her to out of getting the tickets, like, you're right. You and mom probably shouldn't go. She was like, Oh, I bought the tickets already. (laughs) Um, I think there is this excitement. I think people get really scared of immersive because they're scared maybe of that part of themselves that wants to be free. And they know this is a chance where they're going to touch that and they may never be the same afterwards. I know I wasn't. That is an excellent place for us. Noah, you're amazing. Thank you for everything you're doing. No, Terrence, thank you. We'll talk again soon, I'm sure. We'd love to.
once again want to thank our guest Terrence LeClaire for being on the show today. You can find Terrence and contact him via Meta for You at Meta M E T A F O R Y O U dot com. Meta for You dot com. Thank you. Also, Terrence did something incredibly sweet uh, that no one's ever done before. Uh, not that I'm saying that future guests have to do this. He sent me a gift afterwards. He sent me a book via I, iBooks. He sent me Sanford Meisner's book on acting, which is amazing and lovely uh, because I didn't get to study Meisner in college. And and this conversation with Terrence and, and some other conversations I've been having of late remind me that the, the thing that drives my own interest in this space is what it means for the craft of acting, all right? As some of you know, I trained as an actor in college uh, along with design and directing, but I, I, I focused on acting. And it's probably one of the things that makes me a really great audience member for Immersive. You know, it's why, it's why performers, and that's a weird, I mean, it sounds like, I'm better than you with this, no. Um, I treat every scene like it's a chance to work with a scene partner. Um, and that, that tends to be fun for actors. Um, and I, since I don't know the lines, I don't know the context of the scene, I wind up being a very giving scene partner. Um, which, you know, if, if you want to enhance your experience at Immersive, I would, I would recommend that's a, a great approach, right? Be open, be receptive, and reciprocate. Reciprocate as much as possible, like reflect the energy back that you're getting and you will find yourself opening up new vistas in the performer, right? This is different from driving the scene. I don't mean get into a scene and start changing things to, to reflect how you want it to go. Far from it. You don't know what the scene's about, so I don't know what you're doing. Now, some people might do some improv-based stuff and they may, they may ask you to do that, but that still follow those instructions. Indeed, if you want to have a really deep experience of immersive, right? And 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 this is more to to the folks that we would call the fans than it is to the creators. Uh, I just air quoted everything in there. You can hear them. Um, I'd recommend check out uh, Meisner. Um, because the fundamentals of the of Meisner's technique really about be, are about being present and being in the moment. Um, I'd also check out, this is my favorite, and I've been recommending this a lot lately, um, and it's a little hard to come by these days, from what I understand. I think it might be out of print at the moment. Maybe we can get it back in print. There's a book called Impro, I-M-P-R-O, by uh, Keith Johnstone, uh, who is uh, was a, a British, is, was? I don't know if we have a lie or not. Uh, British and then Canadian uh, teacher. Um, he generated um, the the sort of improvisational school that came out of his work was the theater sports school, which is not as popular as Second City or IO or you know the UCB schools these days. But um, and indeed, theater sports, comedy sports, indeed all sort of improv. It's it's so focused on like we're gonna make people laugh. Impro isn't really that, though. It's this slim, taut volume about improvisation that focuses on concepts like um, justification and endowment games, uh, status transfer, uh, and has a section on mask work. 
And that was what we used in high school for our improv troupe because we had someone who came from the theater sports school who was our, our one of our acting instructors. And yeah, <coughs> there's that cough. Um, it put an indelible stamp on my soul, right? I was like 14 years old and, and I was exposed to this thing um, like it was, I don't know, it was the radioactive spider that bit me. Um, but I didn't get interested in the, the yuckety yuck, yuck, let's, let's go that way improv. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Although I also have dreams of having an improv tragedy troupe. Uh, well, let's not get into that now from a meta level. That's very funny. Um, there's a sequel book called Impro for Storytellers, which has like even more techniques. Uh, it was written like 30 years later. Um, and maybe one of my favorite things about that book, this became the book club, whatever, um, is uh, there are lines from John Stone's uh, Impro that show up in this book called The User Illusion by Tor Nortranders, which was a late 90s uh, book on neurology, sort of written sort of not pop science, it was more science than pop. And neurology may have come a long way since then. I mean, hi, that was like 20 years ago. Um, feels like yesterday to me because I stopped reading in the mid-aughts. Uh, not true. Mm, mostly not true. No, not true. I still read. Not as much as I like to because of the internet. The damn internet. Um, don't read as much long form. That's what I'm trying to say. These books. These books are good. That's what I'm also trying to say. So if you want... If you want uh, to sort of understand the the practical approach by which my frameworks for dealing with immersive come from, get yourself some impro, get yourself um, impro for storytellers, get yourself the user illusion, get yourself uh, read the first three or so chapters of Daniel Kinnaman's um, Thinking Fast and Slow. Uh, which I was reading while I was doing my my big pilgrimage to see Sleep No More and Then She Fell. So like that coincided very well. Uh, and uh, get yourself um, James Carson's Finite and Infinite Games. Now, I know there's some folks, uh, particularly on the, the game theory side, uh, who like, oh, I can't stand it. And like, like, I'd rather, you know, why don't, you know, people like that book and like you should be focused on like, you know, books focusing on Ludens and I'd rather have you read that theory. You're missing the point. Finite and Infinite Games, it's not about the games. But it says it in the title. I know, I know, it says it in the title. It's not about the games. It's a, it's a work of religious philosophy. <laughs> it's, it's not about the games. Um, it's, it's a way of seeing the world. It's a paradigm shifter. Now, if you want to go super nerdy, and I mean full nerd, I can't believe I'm saying this right now. And hopefully most of you have stopped by now. They're like, oh, he's talking about books. So there's, if you want to know the real secret, the real, real secret, it comes down to two games. Back in the 90s, you'll need a time machine to do this right. One, of course, is Vampire the Masquerade, specifically the LARP form. And you can go back to the episode where we talk with Jason Carl of By Night Studios. Vampire LARPs, really shaped a lot of not my approach to immersive but shaped shaped my approach to play 
and to improv and to finding ways to do group storytelling. All right. But the key, key piece, and indeed the piece that led me to some of these other books, is a game series called Mage the Ascension, also from White Wolf. The mainline developer was a guy named Phil Brucato. If you go on the Patreon, you'll notice that that I back one person on Patreon, and that's Phil Brucato, because I, I want him to do whatever he wants to do. Um, it is this amazing pop exploration of belief and religion and spirituality uh, masquerading as a role-playing game. Um, or is it those things... Is it a role-playing game masquerading as a... Anyway, um, there's there's a whole universe in there, uh, a philosophical framework uh, for approaching the occult, but also magic, well, occult magic, duh. I'm trying to say for approaching reality itself, for seeing things in terms of paradigms and the way that people view reality and knowing that everyone is walking around with their own reality, um, not so much in their head, but projected onto our collective consensus. So if you really, 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 all right, everyone thinks it's like, oh, like uh, Noah's just like Star Wars quotes and, and Batman comics. No, no. There's the keys to the kingdom. What I'm saying is like someone needs to replace me. No, um, I've got this weird sense of mortality these days. Um, I'm, I'm not sick or anything like that. It's just, you know, there's been loss lately. So it gets you thinking. Um, sorry to be melancholy. The world is melancholy. Uh, the world is melancholy. Um, and there's two ways to deal with it. You either ignore it or you laugh in the face of it. And I guess today I'm laughing in the face of it. So there you go. There's your there's your long-term guides. I know some of you are out there. Uh, there's some folks who are in college. You've got the time to read. Uh, dig that stuff out. It'll be a blast to the past. Um, it'll do some framing in the 90s. If you know, here's a fun one. Here's, here's a challenge for you. If you know stuff that advances those lines, right? You know, like what's what's the evolution of Impro or what's the evolution uh, past um, Torno Trando's user illusion? Um, if you know of these things, um, I don't, you know, oh, where's, where's Kinnaman thinking, uh, thinking fast and slow. What, what moves us past that? Tell me if there, if there's stuff in this vein that you really, really like, um, uh, that vibes with it, um, that maybe, you know, casts some you know, questions towards it. Right. Uh, tell me about it. I'm not, I'm not intellectually dead yet. Not yet. Anyway. Um, I'd love to hear what, uh, sparks your brain. All right. Didn't expect to go there today, but we did fun. Um, I'm about to get a raft of hiccups. So we better, we better end this before I start hiccuping all over the show. Here we go. The sustaining backers for No Persinium are Brad Ross Sigworth, Bradley Smith, Yan Budman, Arthur Tubman, Ari Herstand, and Lonnie Hansen. 
The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. You can join us on Slack. Please join us on Slack, whether you're a creator or a fan. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. There's over 500 people in the Slack now. You can find that in the show notes. Um, you can also check us out. Uh, Everything Immersive is the Facebook group. Almost got 3,000 people in there. Remember, that's sort of the community board free for all. So long as people are being nice to each other um, and it's about immersive stuff, it belongs there. Um, we will mercilessly edit other things um, and try and read the rules. Read the rules. Please just read the rules. It makes life easier for all of us. Um, at No Persinium on Twitter. NoPersinium.com is the website which you should visit, uh, particularly if you want to find shows updated, updated all the time. The newsletters, uh, New York and Los Angeles going strong. We're about to revise. In March, we're going to revise all the other newsletters. I know. Haven't seen anything in a while. There's a reason for that. We're changing it all. So going to shut some stuff down, turn some stuff on. I think you're going to like where we're going. In fact, I just thought of something else and yeah, we're, we're, we're going there. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to it myself. Um, all right. That's enough for now. I said all the things, Chris. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, well, there's the thing that I usually, oh yeah, that thing. Until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>